We are delighted to say that this episode of the No Question About That podcast is brought to you by The Athletic, the best place to read about football anywhere on the internet. For 50% off your first year's subscription to The Athletic, bringing it in at just £2.50 a month, head to theathletic.co.uk slash nqatpod. That's theathletic.co.uk slash nqatpod. Ah, well, happy birthday, Ed. Man United last year, they celebrated your birthday by winning 5-1 in a glorious, redemptive arc that proved everything we believed was definitely true uh, a year on not quite such a happy birthday no well my last birthday i spent on an airplane as we discussed last week i yeah. think and uh, missed the famous famous <laughs> the famous <laughs> famous christmas massacre of cardiff city and i mean which was a shame really ollie's glorious debut still the best game he's ever had <laughs> maybe uh, this, on the other hand, was just awful. I feel like I say this quite often, but don't I say something along the lines of that's just as, about as bad as it gets? Oh, I don't think this comes close, by the way. I think that's you don't? A, no, I don't think this is this is nowhere near your West Ham's and your Olympiacos's. This isn't the worst game we played this season. That second half against Bournemouth was much worse. At least there was some sense of endeavour late on in that one. But this is the worst team in the Premier League. And not only the worst team in the Premier League, a team that had not scored first at home in the Premier League all season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten, ten fewer goals than XG <laughs> and a new manager. No, but you're right. It's. I'm not saying anything positive about this game, by the way. I just think uh, we're setting the bar wrong that, you know, it's the recency bias thing. Yeah, sure. No, look, and I suppose in the last half an hour or so of this game, United made a fist of it. Yeah, Anthony Martial was trying to take on the entire Watford defence on his own, like constantly. And But that's the only good thing I can say. I mean, for much of this game, United were completely toothless. Absolutely Just completely. atrocious. Just compl- and two, two of the worst defensive moments when Bazaka finally getting caught out. Because there's been a few hairy moments, haven't there, uh, during his time with United. But he just almost always seems to pull out the miraculous tackle and not this time. And then David De Gea, I mean, last week, or was it on the spe- Xmas special, which you guys haven't heard yet, uh, I said uh, he's stopped chucking them in his own net. I mean, my God. Yeah, nobody knows this, but that was entirely Ed's fault, that goal. Because the Christmas special, which you will hear in the middle of this week coming, (laughs) it it does contain the line, he's finally stopped chucking them in his own net. And then never has he more chucked one in his own net than that. I tell you what, I will give you recency bias or no recency bias, that is David De Gea's worst ever mistake as a United keeper. I mean... He had it in his hands. I've had Sky on in the in the background while we've been setting up here and they showed a little clip of Jose Mourinho watching that goal as it went in on a monitor and just kind of going wincing. It's one of the worst mistakes you'll ever see, right? Of course. Look, you wouldn't expect a school kid to make that mistake on the playground, right? Uh, having have my level of goalkeeping rose to the level of school kid on the playground... <laughs> Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm well disposed to talk about this one. I don't think I ever made a mistake like that. He had to contort his body in order to throw it in his own net. I mean, if it wasn't Dave and knowing he's like, you know, as honest as the day is long, I'd, I'd think he had a bet on that one. 
how does it happen? And it's not even at any kind of speed. It's not like it's bounced really high in some awkward wind. It's going at like one mile an hour and it's completely predictable, the bounce. And it's not moving and it's not spinning and he's not being challenged. And there's just just nothing. I mean, this is he's asleep, basically, when this happens. Everyone can make mistakes. Everyone does make mistakes all the time. So, you know, what happened was he made an absolutely terrible mistake. It's just when you're an elite sports person, you aren't allowed to make those kind of mistakes. Well, basically ever. And of course, if you're a goalkeeper and you make that kind of mistake, you're conceding a goal. I mean, we see outfield players you know, under no pressure, play a five-yard pass and misplace the ball. That happens all the time. This is just, it's just exaggerated by the position, but it's, it's also the the level of distance between what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. And, and also the complete lack of apparent, obvious contributing factors to yeah. why he made no, that mistake. That's right. I mean, uh, there isn't an XG model for goalkeeping, I don't think, or at least not goalkeeping mistakes. It's just going to go down as an error. It's very binary. And he's had six of those since the start of last season. Errors leading to goal. And uh, that's the highest in the Premier League, apart from, um, I was going to say Jay Leno, Burnt Leno, <laughs> Arsenal. Not Jay Leno. The I mean, he, he, did, he, he, he would have saved that one. Um, <laughs> he would. I mean, he's, he just made one mistake leading to Conan O'Brien being on TBS. But apart from that, he's, he's not. Yeah, but have you seen his garage? I mean, this isn't an aside, but man, the, the guy's got some nice cars. He has. I'd like to make that kind of mistake. Anyway, let's back back to back to United. Look, you're completely right, of course, that um, a goalkeeping error is just magnified, and it's unfair that we judge goalkeepers uh, by that metric and not Jesse Lingard when through on goal, lobbing it miles over the the keeper and the goal. Right, well, so. I, both, both, both as bad an error. But you know, I, I don't know how to. I said start this by saying there's no XG model for goalkeeping errors, but this is the equivalent of a 0.001 XG error, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, you just wouldn't like a hundred of those, and he's saving all of them. It's basically. miles, 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 miles worse than the Jesse Lingard miss in terms of scale of mistake as well. Because the, the Lingard miss is like he's trying to do something and he gets it slightly wrong. And you can criticise the decision making for sure. But that's a decision that is being made like at speed with players bearing down on him with, you know, it's a it's a bad decision and, and a big mistake, but it isn't it isn't on the the scale of catastrophe of David De Gea, like having the ball in, in his hands, bouncing it off his own head into the back of the net. That's that's really, really, really bad. Anyway, what else was really bad? Uh, United's uh, general sense of attacking play. I messaged you at one point during the first half, didn't I? Didn't I? And said, everything above forward of Lingard, uh, sorry, Lindelof and Maguire during that first half was completely static. I mean, there were absolute statues. I'm like, what is going on at Carrington that this is how they think they should be playing? Right. So either they are completely cheating their manager and they just don't care. And I hate this kind of cheat narrative. Or Ollie's doing nothing with them from an attacking play and patterns of play. So I just don't understand it. How can they just be standing there while Maguire's got the ball? It looks like the only thing that's being coached is how to play in transition. The best example of this in the whole game for me happened around 12 minutes in. So United um, had 
a promising little counter-attacking move, which was ended by, I think it was Mariapa putting a great challenge on Marcus Rashford, at which point the ball came out to Luke Shaw and we went from a transition phase of attack to a possession phase of attack and suddenly this attack that had looked dynamic and um, fluid and full of movement turned into exactly those statues that you were talking about. Shaw looked around for a pass. There was no one moving. He passed it back to Fred. No one moving. He passed it sideways to McTominay. McTominay tried to fire one into Martial. And, you know, both McTominay and Fred had absolutely shocking first halves in particular. This was, a, I think that might even go down as a completed pass because Martial touched it. But there was no way, you know, Leo Messi, Berbatov isn't killing that ball dead. It was pinged into yeah. him so fast. But, but even if Martial had trapped that ball... It would have just meant that with six players behind him, he had the ball with his back to goal. Like the lack of movement was, I mean, I would say it was shocking, but it feels very weird to say that something so familiar is shocking. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not shocking. Uh, it's pretty bad that uh, United are in this state of affairs that um, we're now we're now familiar with this kind of static build-up play. The thing is, it reminded me of Watford. Right, so in that first half, every time Watford got into the final third, they just ran out of ideas. They didn't have the confidence to try anything. No one was feeling, you know, doing anything to change anything in the pattern or the phases of their play. Until, of course, they scored, and then suddenly they got some confidence. Not great amounts of confidence, but some confidence. So honestly, it's so shocking that United cannot do anything with the ball except when. Well, two things, except when it's in transition, all Paul Pogba comes on because suddenly a few things started happening then. Yeah, Alan Smith before the game saying Pogba's going to struggle to get into the side with McTominay and Fred playing the way they have been might be one of the things that aged most quickly of anything that's ever happened. I mean, it was a stupid thing when he said it. We all knew it was stupid when he said it. But by 15 minutes into that game, you were it was like laughably stupid because they weren't even in good form anymore 15 minutes into the next game after he'd said well, it. No, that, that's right. I mean, echoing what Mark Ogden wrote in ESPN and I have to say I'm, I'm not I don't feel like trashing Ogden because I don't think he writes tons of crappy stuff that's worth trashing all of the time or anything like that but it was a particularly brain dead piece and I think I I mentioned uh, on a previous spot I felt like one of those ones where he'd been kind of told to come up with that article and Alan Smith kind of that's actually come from the heart right that I think that is he doesn't watch every United game. He's just following a narrative, I, I'm sure, you know. Um, but Pogba gets in this side easily because despite all our faults in many positions, the weakest position in the, this United side, even weaker than left back, is at number 10. We have no good options. We have Lingard, who's been, for whatever reason, out of form for a very long time. Matter, who is well past his best, a long, long way past his best. And Andres Pereira, who's just not good enough. And Oli does not want to try Angel Gomez or doesn't trust him, doesn't believe he's ready. And Gomez may well be off anyway. So we just have no good options there. And so Pogba walks back into the side at the head of the double pivot, which is what he came into the side today He's going to start creating options for United now. He just needs Martial to be in the kind of dynamic form that he looked like he was in for that last half an hour and Rashford to be moving and Daniel James or Mason Greenwood. He just needs options ahead of him and United will start creating chances and will start scoring goals. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, look, last last season, and you know, sorry to get all nerdy, but Pogba's XG chain was higher than Eden Hazard's, right? So he is pivotal and makes a helps make a chance happen more often than Eden Hazard when he's in an attacking part of an attacking phase of play, right? So whether it's creating an assist, having a shot, or creating the pass that creates the assist. Right. Or chance, Pogba's there. Yeah, High as absolutely. Anyone in and you know, I mean, I saw one of the stupidest tweets I've ever seen in my life, and and that's saying something. Oh, I'm sorry for that. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> what did I say? Um, it was not from you. And I, I will not say who it was from, but it was uh, responding to the fact that Pogba was back in the side, and Raiola put out some kind of positive-ish quotes about him wanting to stay at United this week as evidence that the uh, attempted conspiracy had failed, and no one was prepared to buy him and pay his wages. So now he's realised that he's going to knuckle down. And it's just an absolutely classic example of the evidence not affecting people who are like really dug into the foxhole. Like, you know, it's it's like these people are going to, it's going to take years for these people to be convinced that the Pogba war is over. Like if he wins the Ballon d'Or at United, there'll still be people talking about how he right. was trying to get out in this period. Not that he's ever going to win the Ballon d'Or. I thought Raiola for once was not being very cryptic. He was just being straight up. And he said... Pogba would like to stay at United. He needs support from the Manchester United board, right? I.e. he needs more players. Not that he needs, like, kid gloves or needs an extra birthday cake or needs his house, you know, paved in gold or anything like that. That people, all kind of people um, took that to mean. He just needs players. He needs better players around him. And, and that's absolutely true. You know, the level of Pogba's performances for the France national team have generally been quite a lot higher than for the Manchester United team, right? He's a, he is an elite player. He needs elite players around him. Yeah, and and we've probably just lost about five thousand listeners. And, there. and the thing is, like, he's had some terrible games for United because he's been terrible in some games for United too. We know this. Not we, denying that. We no, you're not. I, I know, and we've said we've called those out as and when they've happened. But his little cameo at the end of this game was some sort of abundant evidence as if any evidence were needed that uh, we really need him in games like this in particular, particularly if he has an attacking role. Um, There's a couple of other small notes I made. We talked about the big De Gea mistake. Uh, There was the one from the corner where he came to claim it in inverted commas. He got a little nudge on the on the shoulder and like you said that looked a lot less than the uh, the pointy elbow that he got last time and uh, it yeah. fell out I, I thought the Watford player headed him yeah he did and it uh, was a foul which, which is a foul it's a foul yeah I mean but yeah so was the one last week <laughs> yeah exactly but again like just not looking safe at all and and you know we saw that obviously like his, his confidence is in all sorts of bother at the moment just I want to know what the opposite of press resistant is because that's what McTominay and Fred were they they almost didn't even have to be under pressure to concede and to concede possession in the first half in particular and then finally, like we mentioned, his, his miss and the decision-making to try the chip and all of that kind of stuff. I, I, I have a lot of time for him. I, I like a lot of things about Jesse Lingard, particularly what a kind of massive fan he is of Man United. But his form, and he's he's had a very difficult time off the pitch, which is like really sad. At some point, 
it was almost like a little hint that maybe there was some form returning, but there's been no evidence of it blossoming into anything just yet. He he looks as bad as Pereira's looked, as bad as Mata's looked, better off the ball movement than than them, but but that's it. Like just so yeah. bad on it. And look, even with Pogba back, I think given Pogba's situation, maybe he wants out. He's just come back from a major injury. He does get injuries. All of that creates doubt around uh, that position. I, I Maybe United would prefer to go do a deal in the summer for a big player, right? If Pogba is going to go and they'd prefer to go do that deal. I, I have no real faith that they would actually go and pull that deal off, by the way. But... It's got to the point where you look at this team and you know exactly where the faults are and you know exactly how to defend against them. It will be completely and totally negligent for United not to go out and buy a creative attacking player this winter. Completely negligent. We are going to get the same series of inconsistent results for the rest of the season and we will finish somewhere like 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, something like that, right? Maybe we get lucky, maybe, and there are key injuries at Chelsea and Spurs, obviously Arsenal are some way behind at the moment, and that helps United get in, and those inconsistencies helps United get into the top four. But that is not a strategy. That is just hoping that we get lucky. And if you're betting £45 million worth of Champions League income and about the same in Adidas revenue and a whole bunch of others, so, you know, probably a £100 million pot on luck and the failure of others then you deserve everything you get right it's completely negligent if united go don't go out and buy a creative player now yeah absolutely but of course there's not been a lot of talk about a creative player coming in january has there i mean lots of harlan talk still but not anything meaningful really in terms of i mean you know what well, well, look six foot four harland a hot young property in european football you know he was uh Ranked at number 40-something in the Guardian's top 100 players, which I think was a bit over-egging it because he's he's barely played a game. He's, he's played less than 10 games in you know at, at a top level. Anyway, even if you get him in the side, he's six foot four. He's going to want some balls into the... Who's delivering that? Who's delivering the passes for him to score the goals? But the uh, talking of uh, top 100 lists, there, there was one in 442 magazine which committed what I think is the worst crime I've ever seen in a, in a football listicle. And believe me, I've seen and committed some crimes in football listicles. But uh, two places above Jamie Vardy was Harry Maguire. And you're like, what have you been watching that Harry Maguire... That, that is such hardcore evidence of what an 80 million transfer fee does to people's perceptions of a player. The idea that Harry Maguire... Oh, that Maguire was recent. Is, Somehow I was thinking this must be two years old or something. No, no, no. no, no recent. That's this week. That's like this month's 442. This year's uh, list, of, list of top 100 players of the calendar year 2019. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, Paul, Vardy's only scored 17 goals in 18 Premier League appearances <laughs> this season. Um, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. All right, should we take a break so we can stop talking about this game until we come back from the break and get a thousand Twitter questions all about this game? Let's do it. So as we said at the top of the show, and 
we're actually not kidding this time. It's actually really happening. No question about that podcast is brought to you this week by The Athletic. Uh, the best coverage of Manchester United and the world of football in general from writers like Laurie Whitwell, Oliver Kay, Adam Crafton, David Ornstein, Danny Taylor. There's just an outstanding stable of writers at The Athletic and there's so much content and it's of a really high standard. I mean, we we said before we were sponsored by them that, you know, this is a, a business model that we think like football fans should definitely want to get behind because it means that they're providing high quality writing, which is completely ad free. So there's no ads, no annoying pop-ups. Their app is nice and slick. We've been checking out some of their United related content recently. And uh, that there was a a brilliant article uh, written by Oliver Kay uh, about Dong Fang Shu. Yes, I read that one. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I thought F- fascinating insight into into Dong and what he's done after leaving Manchester United, but also the the, the kind of thinking uh, around signing him in the first place. And he's still in football, which is you know, which was good to read as well, because um, of course some of these players you never know. What has actually happened to them? But um, I thought that was a, a really great insight and the kind of thing you do get when the writers have time to go and find the stories. And it's one of the things I really enjoy um, when I scroll through the uh, Athletic app is just discovering those new stories. Yeah, absolutely. And they're, they're doing it in a different way than you get in a lot of football writing. They've obviously recently started a suite of podcasts, people like Michael Cox and uh, Lee Dixon's on the Arsenal podcast, which I thought was kind of uh, fun and cool. Um, but also there's there's coverage, you know, there's coverage regularly after the games. I actually really like this one. Isn't necessarily going to go down well with every United fan because people get very tribal about this thing. But I really like the fact that Daniel Taylor wrote a piece about how football's become conditioned to chance about poverty Yes, I wrote that. I read that one as well. And of course, yeah, we regularly sing about um, the Liverpool slums, don't we, at Old Trafford? And he has a very good point. I don't think it's one that we're going to take on board. No. At Old Trafford anytime soon. You mentioned the podcast. I have to say, I, I really enjoy a lot of them. I think Michael Cox is um, always excellent on podcasts. The Onstein Chapman one is a kind of um, dive into the week's uh, sort of gossip and news and transfers and stuff like that. I actually listened to the Arsenal one a few times because it's actually really good. And I'm a podcast addict. Although I wouldn't recommend everyone goes and does that, you know, because it's an Arsenal podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. But what we would recommend that you do, hand on heart is head to www.theathletic.co.uk slash nqat pod but that's theathletic.co.uk slash nqat pod you'll get a 50% discount on your first year's subscription which I think makes it about £2.50 a month and any of as any of you that listen to the TFO podcast know that means it's a I think it means it's eight pence a day Uh, well well worth it anyway so uh, thanks. And if you uh, head to manunited.com forward slash tip jar, maybe we'll get a new player in January. <laughs> no? Brill. All right. Back to the show. Enjoy no question about that. If so, let others know about us. The best way to do that is leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and hit that subscribe button. Okay, we're back from the break. Ed, First question, you and I are out to celebrate your birthday at a karaoke bar. 
what are you singing? And you can't go oh. with, uh, I'm not singing. If literally everyone's oh. going to die unless you sing a song, what do you sing at karaoke? You know I hate karaoke, don't you? Of course. I hate it so much. Yeah. I hate. I had to go to, I'm just, I'll answer your question, but I had to go to a corporate function not that long ago in which uh, at the time I was not drinking. Occasionally I like to cleanse my body <laughs> of the abuse it takes uh, of a standard week uh, by taking a few months at a time and not drinking. Uh, so this is one of these occasions where I was in corporate fun uh, plus no alcohol Oof. and bandioki was the corporate entertainment. That's my dream, by I, the way. Like, I don't You'd drink. love that. That is literally the thing I want to do more than anything else. If I could do that every Friday night, I definitely would. Anyway, I would uh, sing something extremely loud and metal to... <laughs> <laughs> extremely loud and extremely metal, you know, Black Sabbath something, because... I have no decent singing voice at all, and I need to hide it in shouting. Yeah, I think you'd need to go much more modern than Sabbath, though. Sabbath is Sabbath sounds positively melodic compared to what these kids are listening to nowadays, Ed. Yeah, but I mean, like, I'm not cool enough to know what the latest, like, <laughs> death metal band out of Helsinki is called, or has as a hit yeah no me neither but then i think you could probably just cover up that by shouting obviously i was not asked this question because i would sing almost literally anything you want me to um andy yaks says christmas with the current united squad who cooks who falls asleep on the sofa who gets drunk and starts an argument who spends too much on presents and who is the least grateful for gifts it's a lot of questions all in one yeah there's a lot of questions. Matter cooks. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Because. Absolutely. And they'll have a beautiful bottle of Rioja as well to go with it. <laughs> Matter cooks. Who falls asleep on the sofa? That's, oh, a... that's McSauce, isn't it? <laughs> After a bit too much sauce. <laughs> no, I think McTominay might be. Uh, well, Brandon Williams is the one who gets drunk and starts an argument. Like, maybe. I don't know if he drinks or not, but the starting an argument. He doesn't are... need to get drunk to start an argument, no. to be fair. Absolutely. I think falling asleep on the sofa. I quite like the idea of, like, Fred having a little nap on the sofa, tired from his uh, his activities, because I think he would have spent too much on presents. He would, he would definitely be, like, really giving it the generosity, because he's just so glad to be there you know least grateful for gifts i think anthony martial is actually really grateful for the gifts but you can't tell by looking at his face because it just seems completely impassive spending too much jesse <laughs> you'd just bling everyone out wouldn't he quite possibly i went with two very christmasy questions in a row there so i'm going with a, a very serious non-christmasy question at sonesify says would it be too harsh and slash or reactionary to say that lingard should never play for united again probably but yeah you know sometimes harsh is fair isn't it it's different foley is good says do you regret going with nqat rather than wtaf <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit of a difficult one podcast wise there's a that that corner of the market is certainly uh fairly well taken but yeah it's a it's a reasonable question got anything in particular says at lhs underscore tcm on your christmas wish list uh, also, Ed, are you particularly pleased with any of the presents you've got for the kids? Um, what do we get for the kids? Uh, Harvey got a Fitbit. Wow. Uh, because, you know, a kids, kids, they do a kids Fitbit. Okay. He, he's obsessed. He's got one of my very, very, very old ones. And uh, he he's obsessed with the number of steps he takes. 
a lot is the answer <laughs> for a six-year-old. Yeah. Uh, he's got some books. He's got a robotic spider, that which I'm cool. absolutely going to be turning on at three in the morning and putting on the lady, uh, the lady's face. <laughs> just the, just she's brilliant. she's a lucky lady, Ed. Oh yes, <laughs> divorce papers will proceed. Um, and what about you? Are you? Is there anything you want? Uh, a decent United side. Yeah, I think we'd all like that. All I want for Christmas is it too much? Is it too much to ask? I think it might be. All I want for Christmas is James Madison. I don't know. Doesn't quite work. All right, we've had two questions. One from at Bajoria Rishab, and the other one from at Dagir fourteen about De Gea. Uh, any ideas for De Gea's sudden dip in form? Last season, Ed fairly speculated that his focus was perhaps impaired by contract negotiations. Is there something about his mentality? Because it seems like if he makes one mistake, the mistakes seem to come flooding out. And um, Viejo saying, do you think De Gea's form today was due uh, to insecurity over the Everton goal debacle last week or just a trend of inconsistency against the lower sides all the players are, are facing, not turning it on? I don't, I don't think... I'm- that has been. Can we call it a dip in form? I mean, I, I look. He's made he's made a mistake today, a really bad mistake, and he didn't take that ball cleanly last week when he should have done, even though he was under pressure and he wasn't protected. But it, I don't know whether one mistake equals a dip in form. No, but he's looked a bit. He just hasn't looked great. His body language hasn't looked. You know, I mean, I. It's not like the thing that happened last week was the first time. It's looked a bit like he's shed some or he's spread some nerves around the defence on set pieces. But I guess that's just not something he's very good at. But but yeah, I mean, what we desperately need is for this not to turn into a dip of form, a dip in form. Right. And I think I'd certainly be highly concerned that it will. Yes, and and like the premise of the question is fair there that, you know, it, it, at least last season it did seem to his mistakes seem to precipitate a a lack of confidence. Uh, Mika Latonen says, now Pogba has played, who should the conspiracy nutters turn to next? <laughs> yes, I mean, like the the prevailing narrative that he was faking the injury. I mean, people were saying this when he played against uh, Rochdale. He played against Rochdale. We, we talked about this. He but... played <laughs> against Rochdale. <laughs> We uh, we talked about this for 15 minutes last week, so I think people know where we stand and that all the conspiracy people have probably left us. Um, and talking of which, uh, at Left Outside 15, Feg says, can we just skip the pod this week? You can skip it anytime you like, and but in the middle of this week, you really will get to skip it because we're putting out a Christmas special rather than doing a proper podcast in the middle of the week. Yeah, you're not allowed to skip the podcast. Uh, you, right, you, it, it will bring bad luck. Yeah, you can. You don't have to listen to it, but we'd like it if you could at least download it. Cheers, that'd be much appreciated. <laughs> We're not allowed to juice the stats. <laughs> no, of course not. Of course not. Just to everyone asking, no, it's not time to drop David de Gea. And this one with a with a, a nod forward to our bonus content. I, I guess we we'll make this the last question because we've taken quite quite a number. Unless you've got any lined up there, Ed. Um, at Black Pig prods says who would make the best jedi and who would make the best sith in the united side well i think we know that the one man who has constantly fought against his inner demons and continued to stay on the light side is one matter i can picture him in a robe he's also about the same height as yoda 
So we know that's not an an issue Jedi wise. Um, baby baby Yoda. Oh yeah. Or, or, or full grown Yoda. <laughs> yeah, either one. So I think that's the the straightforward and probably correct answer. Do you, do you know? And I think the problem is we haven't got any Sith. That is part of our problem. I mean, I mean, who who's evil in the squad? Who is it? It's a good question, but I I think you got to remember that the Sith can be subtle too, can't they? You know, it's like it's jealousy and all those kind of things, and perhaps uh, perhaps not caring enough is uh, is one of the things that turns you to the dark side. I tell you who it would have been, right? It would have been Ander Herrera, and it'd have been like a terrible tragedy because Juan Mata would have tried to train him in the ways of the Jedi, take him under his wing, but Herrera's inner darkness would have taken over. And he'd have turned on him and become a Sith Lord. I think it's written in the stars. Also, he went to Paris, Paris Saint-Germain, which is the most well, like, you know, I, most Sith move ever. Really is. Yeah, definitely turning to the dark side there. Um, I, I feel Manchester United, the Star Wars musical coming along. <laughs> it, one, one for your dad, that one, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sounds right up his street. <laughs> he likes all of those things. Actually does quite like musicals, to be fair. All right. Um, have you seen Cats yet? Talk, talking of uh, since we're on to cultural items. <laughs> no, I, I've only seen the reviews of Cats, which I think are probably considerably a considerably greater contribution to the collective cultural reality that we all live in than the existence of the movie Cats. I mean, some of them are absolutely fantastic. The creativity that's gone. I mean, I have to say, after seeing the uh, trailer some months ago when they put it out, it was pretty predictable that this would get a panning. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. Just so ridiculous. I really, but there's a difference between like a movie that is critically poorly received and a movie where a critic writes, this will scar a generation. (laughs) (laughs) It does look excruciatingly strange. I mean, I like musicals, right? Cats is not a particularly good show. There's like, two good songs in it maybe and that's like assuming you like musical theatre or if you don't like musical theatre then it's a living nightmare from start to finish but if you kind of don't mind it it's probably like two maybe two and a half decent songs there's no there's literally no story it's just a series of cats introducing themselves to you and you know it's not not a great show profoundly uncinematic and the way they've decided to make it cinematic is by boggling the accepted norms of society essentially (laughs) Yes. Anyway, we've got games this week, haven't we? Yeah, should we take a little break and then talk about Burnley and Newcastle? Lovely stuff. Not Burnley and Newcastle, the break. Enjoy no question about that. If so, let others know about us. The best way to do that is leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and hit that subscribe button. Well, that was a relief from having to think about Manchester United for a bit, wasn't it? Relief, Paul. I uh, I hope you uh, didn't do something unsavoury in the break. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Honestly, you don't need to be scarred by cats. You've already been scarred by the internet. Um, anyway, United, will we be scarred away at Burnley? I mean, I don't know how anyone could be optimistic about this fixture it's got. And Burnley have just beaten Bournemouth away from home, something we were not able to do. In, by the way, what looks like it might have been the single worst game of football of all time. Five shots total in that game, one on target, and that was the 89th minute goal. Not one for the purists. Yeah, I mean, look, I have zero confidence, of course, because how can you ever have confidence in United 
right now we don't know which United is going to turn up although actually to be fair we do kind of know what United is going to turn up against these kind of teams so yeah exactly Burnley middle ranked know exactly what to do Sean Dyche will uh, will set Burnley up in the well in fact it's the way Burnley play anyway you know there if systems make games Burnley make for a very difficult game for United I mean yeah they play a very similar system to Watford I guess um, in fact we had a question that I meant to say from Royal McQueen at RJ Wonder where it says why do people keep saying we're inconsistent we've played well and got points off every possession based team and strolled against every team that isn't possession based behind Liverpool we're probably the most consistent team in the league and I think there is a very solid point there. Um, it's only been against the teams who leave massive gaps at the back that we've able, been able to find any joy against teams that we, in inverted commas, should be beating. And to me, like the idea that this is a mentality thing primarily and that we you know, raise our game for the big games, I, I just think it's so obvious that it's about the system. And, and this is why I think we're going to lose this game. I, I, I don't see why it is reasonable to say that based on anything that United are going to win this game unless Pogba coming back has a revolutionary effect on the side which let's face it um, he's been involved in plenty of these games where we've struggled you know to break teams down so it's not like he's a magic fix-all for everything He, he, uh, he still needs movement in front of him for example uh, he, he does, and, and it's unclear exactly how many minutes he'll get in the coming games. Of course, before Burnley, we play Newcastle on Boxing Day. Burnley's on the 28th. But, I mean, no time to rest or prepare in between those two games, as often happens this time of year. Uh, Pogba, after being out for so long and having no under-23 or uh, any of those kind of games to come back into, he's not going to last more than 45 minutes an hour tops in one of these games and not both of them. You know, to do that would be to risk another injury, especially given he had that soft tissue damage in the ankle. It's extremely vulnerable. So um, he won't be able to play much in these games. United have an extremely thin squad, so rotation is hard. I mean, who comes in? It's a, it's a like, really who? great question. I mean, I guess Mason Greenwood will start in one of these two games. Um, I wonder whether we'll see... Pereira started oh, a bit sad that Pereira didn't get to start against Watford when he was so looking forward to it for such a long time. I guess we'll see him. Will we see Juan Mata? It seems unlikely. I mean, Nemanja Matic might start one of these two games. It's, you know, it's going to get hairy. It's really going to get, not that it isn't already hairy, by the way, with our close to our first choice selection in inverted commas. Uh, Newcastle on Boxing Day. I mean, I know this is the least original idea in the universe, but my goodness, Steve Bruce is doing better than anybody expected him to be doing. At well, Newcastle. Including us, who, who um, I say us as, you know, the royal we here. It may well have been me, like trashed him and laughed about his appointment as being one of the most ridiculous things that's ever happened in football. Uh, but he's, he's, I mean, he even had Almiron scoring this week, which was, you know, turn up for the book. So, yeah, I mean... Clearly, they they are how many points behind us right now? Uh, they are as it stands. They are at, two points or something. Yeah, that's I didn't realise this. That's so funny. By the way, uh, no, they are not any points at all behind us. They are on the exact same number of points as us. In fact, behind uh, behind on goal difference. <laughs> 
because they have negative goal difference and we have positive goal difference. But yes, it is. We are playing Newcastle on Boxing Day and have the same number of points as them. The fact that Ole isn't under severe, severe, severe pressure is, you know, I mean, it's testament to those two wins against those big teams. But my goodness, when you take those out of the equation, he would be absolutely walking a tightrope right now. Oh, man. I mean, we are a cup team in the league. It's it's so desperate and desperately sad to say it. But, you know, we are right back into the right into the middle of the 1980s when you just didn't know which Manchester United side was was going to turn up. And, and we had some great games against big teams. And of course, I'm taking the whole decade and wrapping it into <laughs> a microcosm of what we are now. But, you know, that is us now. I mean, uh, to the point that you'd be feeling much more confident if United were playing Liverpool on Boxing Day, sort of. So maybe that's the wrong example. No, but it's not Liverpool, but, you know, but yeah, like Spurs. At least, yeah, at least the team that attacks us has, and has some vulnerabilities to the counter-attack, you know, then then you know that United have got a chance cause, because the better teams feel the need to go out, come out and play. Burnley and Newcastle aren't going to do anything dumb. I mean, you know, you say whatever you like about Bruce, and I've said some rude things, but he's been around the block a few times, and, and sure, Dyche definitely knows how to set up a team, you know, for a specific game. Does it all the time at Burnley. So we know what we're going to get, and it's going to be extremely frustrating, uh, and we have to hope that we defend the moments well. We didn't do today. In some of these games, in quite a lot, far too many of these games, we don't do that, you know, um, and that's the worry. But look, look here's here's a, a you know a thought experiment. United lose these two games in the coming week, and we've got a hell of a lot coming after that as well. You know, there's a game on New Year's Day, isn't there? And then the cup game. I mean, is, un- is Ollie under pressure then? It's a great coming into the new year. It's a... when does it? When does he? When does he get under pressure? It's a great question, and 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 the kind of I want to like very much clarify that when I'm answering this, I'm not talking about what I think should happen because I genuinely think we should probably have replaced him already. Like I kind of I'll never like I said the other week I will never advocate for the sacking of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Even if I'm supposed to, I'm not going to do it because I simply refuse on all kinds of moral grounds. Um, And I accept fully that I'm part of the problem here. But in terms of Woodward, we lose three games. Is is Woodward... Like, that'll be us losing three games on the bounce after going eight unbeaten or whatever it was and beating Tottenham and City. Isn't Woodward just going to say, project, 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 project? Isn't that? Isn't it yeah. just going to be that over and over and over again? And I, I feel like he's going to have to. There's going to have to be absolutely no hope whatsoever that it's working for Woodward to to remove Solskjaer at this point. Yeah, Newcastle at home. We know how that one is going to play out. Definitely, Burnley away. Tough game. Maybe Burnley will feel that they have to to come out a little bit. Although they don't. They're a low possession side. Yeah, they're, they're not. Just, yeah. They're not going to have to. They're not going to feel that. And then Arsenal away on January the 1st. Well, that'll be which good. Is, that's an interesting one. New manager is, is at the, I was going to say Highbury, but is at the Emirates. I'm not stuck in the 90s, honest. <laughs> you know, of course they have to attack there. They are pretty weak there. They have been weak there for a long time. Um, that's an opportunity. And then we'll be stuck into, I mean, what, like, it's not difficult to predict. You know, draw, lose, win 
for the next three games. Yeah, I think that sounds exactly right. And in fact, um, so we will be back after the Burnley game. So we're not going. We will. We're not going to immediately. We're going to cover the the Newcastle and Burnley games. I think hopefully all being well, I should be going to the Newcastle game, which would be it'll just be really nice to go to Old Trafford. Even if I'm not expecting much football wise, it's always it's always nice to go, even when it's bad, isn't it? Um, so so that'll be good. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll cover those two games, and I I strongly suspect that I'm not saying I'll be happy if we get three points out of those games but I'll almost be pleasantly surprised if we've got three out of the six points in those two games which is like really feeble where we're at at the moment yeah it just like you said we're kind of a cup team and we turn it on in some games and don't in others but I think the question that we had from Twitter is really apt that it's we're not quite like we were in the 80s because it's not like we I mean I wasn't paying that close attention to it in the 80s so this is the stereotype of United in the 80s rather than the reality of it but it's not about us getting up for big games it's about us having a plan in big games and not having a plan in little games right yeah and sometimes that shows yeah anyway I mean I hope you enjoy it um Newcastle home boxing day there's been some uh nice uh nice fixtures of that nature down the years i mean it's like pizza and sex isn't it united at old trafford even when it's bad it's good <laughs> um the uh the newcastle on boxing day thing is weird i i wonder why it keeps happening and then i th- and then you remember oh no it, it keeps happening because the fixtures are actually planned they're not you know when david moyes once said the balls the balls were warm as they were pu- pulling out the fixtures for the beginning of his time in charge of united but actually it's all done by like a fixture computer and loads of complicated things are taken into consideration and i guess this is one where it's a reasonable away trip for the away side on on boxing day it is <laughs> it's not <laughs> try getting from newcastle to manchester on boxing yeah. day i mean good luck with your coaches lads they, they've invented the wheel up in newcastle yeah wow unbelievable boo boo northernist <laughs> i i don't like that boo <laughs> northeasternist yeah exactly i mean yeah, very different you absolutely beautiful part of the world it is it is a lovely part of the world i recommend wearing not only a shirt but many many layers at this time of year Yeah, absolutely um i mean i'm wearing many many layers in anywhere that's in the least bit intemperate because i'm uh, a big wuss when it comes to that kind of stuff but all right so that's the end of our show we're talking about the weather that's literally you know you know the show's gone too long when we start talking about the weather let's do some predictions i guess i'm gonna go i'm gonna go nil nil against newcastle and uh one nil loss against burnley all right just to make it different i'm gonna say one one against newcastle and two one loss against burnley (laughs) i am predicting that we score two goals in the next two games so i'm being my optimistic self yeah but i mean look as i said draw on a loss feels about right it feels about what we can expect i mean sad that you know like you said last week before the what during the watford game uh preview you you said look we score early and it's a completely different kettle of fish i think if we score early against newcastle at old trafford completely different kettle of fish um but it's just i'm not necessarily expecting that to be what happens anyway 
thanks everyone. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope this has been of some uh, enjoyment somehow. I quite liked the questions about Christmas and karaoke, to be honest. Happy birthday again, Ed. Let's uh, let's hope that uh, this time next year we'll be celebrating a completely transformed Manchester United as Jaden and Sancho has smashed a hat trick against Liverpool on your birthday or something like that instead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just jinxing. Yeah. No. Um, all right, Brill. Patreon backers, stay tuned. Everyone else, we'll see you next week. Have a nice Thanks Christmas. Thanks a lot. Bye now. <laughs>